0: Hello everyone, and welcome to the Disby Download, an official podcast of the District of Columbia Department of Insurance, Securities, and Banking. I'm your host, Art Swift, and I'm joined today by Ricardo Jefferson, the Student Loan Ombudsman at Disby. In this episode, we're going to talk about some of the important services and guidance for students and their families that his office provides. A top priority of Mayor Bowser's administration is providing all district residents with a fair shot to thrive and prosper, and obtaining a college education is one of the best ways to do it. But a major challenge facing district families and students is the excessive cost of college and graduate school. Many students must obtain loans to help make their dreams a reality and consequently incur substantial debt. That's where Disby comes in. At Disby, we help make higher education more available and affordable through the Office of the Student Loan Ombudsman. So without further delay, let's begin the conversation. First off, Ricardo, please tell our listeners a little bit about what a student ombudsman is and
1: what your responsibilities entail. Sure thing, Art. So the Student Loan Ombudsman is a position that we established in 2017 by the DC Council. As Ombudsman, I assist in the regulation of student loan servicers, and I also work with district borrowers to resolve complaints with servicers. Conducting outreach activities to assist district residents who are preparing for college or dealing with student loan debt is another one of my main responsibilities, as is providing education about student loans. So what are some of the topics included in that education? Well, Art, that's really a great question. Um, So for starters, I provide district residents with some guidance on sources of college funding, loan repayment programs, loan consolidation, and default prevention.
0: All of which we'll be discussing today. In fact, let's start out by discussing some sources of college funding. So a lot of families and students might not even consider college as part of their plans because they don't think they can afford it. What are some of the sources of funding available to prospective college students that may help them go to school?
1: Right, you're absolutely right. So many families are perplexed and practically paralyzed when it comes to figuring out how to move forward to pay for college. I mean, you know, parents want to have their own retirement funds and savings. People don't want to take out a mortgage on their home to send their children to school. So what are the things that they can do? The first thing I'll say is that families should please, please, please start planning early. Don't wait until the 11th or 12th grade to start thinking about how to pay for college. The earlier you begin planning on how you're going to get through college, the easier it can be to secure the necessary funds. One of the best Local resources available to people, to families, is the 529 College Savings Plan. Uh, do what you can do. Find a few extra dollars here and there, but definitely begin investing in a 529 savings plan. Even if you feel like you've waited too late, maybe your kids are already in the ninth or 10th grade, actually, it's not too late to go ahead and start putting money into a 529 savings plan. The other thing that parents can do is they can start looking at the free application for federal student aid, uh, figuring out what their tax status is, and to go ahead and begin applying for those funds to figure out what their students are in fact eligible for. Find out if your child is eligible for a Pell Grant or if they're only eligible for federal student loans. Also, parents need to start helping their young people by exploring all of the outside scholarships opportunities that are available. We maintain a catalog of scholarships on our website, um, but there are also a number of other resources that families can look at by using any search engine to look for outside scholarships based on the unique profile of their students. Um, We are also here to help guide students and families through the financial aspect of college admissions process such as by maximizing credits that students can earn before they get to college. For example, uh, by taking advanced placement courses, students have the opportunity to gain credit before they go to college, which in turn defers from the actual cost of education. Those opportunities are also presented through other exams that are available on the College Board's website, such as the International Baccalaureate exam
0: that's amazing I mean there are so many different avenues for getting assistance with your college funding so but let's say that you had to take out student loans
1: though what are the different ways you can go about paying those off all right that's a great question you know I often tell people who apply for financial aid that student loans are a part of financial aid uh, we may not want them uh, the under the best case scenario, we avoid student loans completely. Uh, it may be more realistic to say, let's minimize the amount of loans that we take out, so that we can be judicious in our use of those resources. In that way, when it comes time to repay, we are repaying back a bit less than we would have had we not taken advantage of opportunities to find other sources of of student loan, of of educational funding. What I would recommend for families who are forced to look at student loans is that they try to pay those loans off as quickly as possible. So the more aggressive loan repayment plans are the 10-year repayment plans, which are going to have a higher monthly payment. But Art, by paying it off more aggressively, you're going to pay less money Okay, now let's say it maybe takes you longer to find that first job after college that pays you a higher income. Rather than defer or forbear that student loan, go ahead and try to repay it but at a reduced repayment plan. So there are a variety of student loan repayment plans available based on income. We call them the income-driven repayment plans. There are a number of different income-driven repayment plans. They are far too numerous to talk about in a simple podcast. However, knowing that they exist gives consumers the information that they need to approach their servicers, to explain their current financial situation, and to seek out a repayment plan that meets their current needs. Understanding that by reducing the payment in the short term, you're going to pay more in the long run. So when it comes to balancing short term reduction versus long term payment, uh, we need to think very carefully about whether we can actually make those more aggressive payments or not, because it all comes with the cost.
0: So interesting. I have so many things going on and one program that we hear about especially in the media is the public service loan forgiveness program for those who don't know about
1: it though can you explain what that is sure so wow art that's a big one and the question is where do we really start i would say for purposes of our audience today i really want to break it down to what is required to be eligible for public service loan forgiveness so Public service loan forgiveness is a special program that was created by the Department of Education back in 2007. It requires that borrowers make 120 payments. That's the equivalent of 10 years of repayments on an eligible federal student loan. An eligible student loan is defined as a direct student loan. Now we want to be real clear here. All federal student loans are not direct student loans. So when we say direct student loan, that is a term of art. It is the specific name of a specific loan type. And there are many federal student loans that are not direct student loans. And that is something our listeners need to be aware of. So let me give you a quick checklist of what they want to look for um, in determining whether they are in fact eligible for public service loan forgiveness. First and foremost, you want to make sure that you work for a public service entity, such as your local state or federal government. It could be a school district. You could be in the military or a 501 C3. That's your typical nonprofit organization. If you're not sure, if you're working for a qualified employer, check with your human resources office. That is the best place to find out whether or not your company, your organization is actually a nonprofit or not. Okay? Then you want to make sure that you work full time for that employer. Okay? Full time is defined by 30 hours at a minimum, or whatever your employer determines to be full time if it's more than 30 hours. Okay? And again, you have to have a direct loan. And you also have to be in what is called a qualified repayment plan. Um, And there are several specific qualified repayment plans. Uh, My recommendation would be to go to look at your student loan portfolio or contact your student loan servicer to find out what your repayment plan is, because if you're not on the correct repayment plan, the other things don't matter. You have to have all of the elements you have to meet all the requirements to be eligible for public service loan forgiveness. If you miss any one of the items that we've met, that we mentioned today, you're not in compliance. And so, after a ten year period, uh, you can then get that loan forgiven by completing an application for public service loan forgiveness.
0: It sounds like it's been remarkably successful. I mean, how? What kind of success has Disby had in this, in terms of? helping and facilitating and advising to get this kind of loan forgiveness happening well
1: in this respect district residents are really quite fortunate uh, are, to have an agency like disby uh, to have an office of student loan ombudsman where there is a staff of people who understand the requirements of the various programs but the public service loan forgiveness program in particular that is able to guide people one-on-one to go through their information and to make sure that they are compliant. We can even uh, troubleshoot uh, and take steps with people to help them come into compliance, whether that means consolidating if they have the wrong loan type, whether it's uh, changing their loan repayment plan, whether it's contacting uh, Mohila or the Department of Education Uh, to investigate where their application is in the process. Most jurisdictions do not have this resource. So uh, district residents are really fortunate to have funding uh, to have an office like this. All they have to do is reach out to us and request a one-on-one appointment and someone from the Ombudsman's office will contact them to set up a one-on-one appointment. It could be virtual or it could be in person to review their student loan situation and to figure out what's the best way to come into compliance.
0: And didn't you
1: assist
0: in 2021 and 2022 with helping borrowers get more than a million dollars forgiven in student loans?
1: Yes, Art, I have to tell you, uh, the last year was a was a truly significant high watermark for our office. Um, I'm very proud to say that uh, we helped uh, district residents get more than a million dollars in student loan debt forgiven last year. Uh, this type of work is transformative. I remember working specifically with a... Uh, A senior who is nearing retirement who said to me, Mr. Jefferson, I will now be able to get the kitchen I always wanted, you know, and it just it really makes you feel good. Or you have the parents who say now we can begin saving for our children because now we don't have to worry about our own student loan debt. Hmm.
0: Incredible. That is such a a remarkable uh, situation. Now, If you have more than one student loan with more than one servicer, you can explore something called consolidation.
1: Ricardo, can you tell us more about that? Absolutely. So, um, you know, so many times our people are trying to figure out how can I maximize my monthly cash flow so I can cover all my bills. Maybe they want to start a business. Maybe they want to purchase a home but their monthly bills are maybe not individually too large, but there's so many, it's hard to get them all covered. An important tool available to borrowers uh, to get those bills streamlined is a process of student loan consolidation. And that simply means this. If you have several loans from different schools over time, you can consolidate those loans into one monthly payment at one interest rate. Now consolidation is another one of those terms of art, which means that it's only used to describe the process of bringing federal student loans together. When borrowers have private student loans and they want to pull those loans together into one payment, it's called refinancing. So we always want to be careful when we're talking about consolidation of student loans, which can only be done in the federal system, with federal student loans, which is distinguishable from refinancing student loans, which is what you can do with private student loans. But the effect is about the same
0: art. That makes sense. Yeah. All right. So there might be people out there, though, who are listening, who say, this is all well and good, but I've given up on paying my student loans. I, I, I am so far in the hole. I'm so far gone. I defaulted. I, I, just, I, I just can't do
1: it. Is there any way back for those folks? Well, Art, again, uh, you are spot on. So many people feel absolutely crushed and overwhelmed by their student loan debt. And it doesn't matter if it's a $5,000 debt or a $100,000 debt if you don't feel like you have the money to make ends meet, right, to pay the bill particularly if you are trying to keep shelter for yourself and your family, maybe you have medical bills and other concerns. What I would suggest to people is uh, lean into the student loan situation because depending on your circumstances, there may be things available to support you that you are not aware of. But if you're not leaning into the situation, seeking assistance, you cannot know what's available for you. For example, many people who do not have the income to pay their student loan debt, it may be because they are totally and permanently disabled. Well, there is a discharge of student loan debt available for people who are totally and permanently disabled. But if you are not leaning into the situation and looking for assistance or educating yourself about what your opportunities are, You remain in default and you may even have your checks garnished when in fact you could get the debt discharged, Uh, which brings me to the next point. Uh, Right now, there is a new program coming out called Fresh Start, which will allow student loan borrowers who are in default on their federal student loans to come out of default simply by acknowledging the debt. Now, there is not yet an organized process for the rollout of Fresh Start, but effectively within sometime this calendar year, people will have the opportunity to come out of default without any additional uh, debt being incurred, without any special responsibility. And that will be a golden opportunity for them to explore what are some other repayment options that are available for me based on my income. Is there an opportunity for me to get a deferment or forbearance based on my current circumstances? Or is there another discharge available for me based on my health concerns or issues? So Mayor Bowser
0: has been committed to the efforts that the Student Loan Ombudsman has been doing and Disby as part of her Fair Shot initiatives. Ricardo, can you talk more about how student loan forgiveness and understanding of this whole situation
1: contributes to district residents getting a fair shot. Absolutely, Art. We know that the goal of achieving a post-secondary credential has been historically indispensable to the advancement of communities of color in particular. Mayor Bowser also understands this. And for that reason, so many district residents have gone to college, especially African-American women who owe disproportionately more than any other demographic in our country in student loan debt. You know, for this reason, our work here in supporting district residents uh, obtain student loan debt forgiveness, discharge, or more favorable terms of repayment is directly connected to creating a fair shot for these communities so that people can buy a home, start a business, uh, and do all these things right here in the District of Columbia.
0: Excellent, good stuff. Ricardo, this has been very enlightening. So, and I am so excited that you've shared your information to so many listeners. People listening wanna know how to get involved. What can they do?
1: What do you say to them? That's a great question, Art. You know, what I would encourage our listeners to do right away is to go to disb.dc.gov and click on the student loan ombudsman link. We have so many incredible resources, literally tools for aspiring college students, right? You can go there where we maintain a monthly catalog of scholarship and grant opportunities. Uh, We also have a number of webinars listed on our webpage that people can also click and review webinar topics on everything from how to complete the free application for federal student aid to selecting a college or what parents need to know about applying for student aid
0: and they can obviously call you at the disby main number which is 202 727 Again, that's 202-727-8000. Or they can email you at dcloanhelp at dc.gov. Again, I'll repeat that, dcloanhelp at dc.gov. Thank you so much for your time today, Ricardo, and for all the great advice you've given our listeners. This concludes the DC Department of Insurance, Securities and Banking's podcast on Student Loan Ombudsman Services. For more information about the department's services and resources, you can visit disby.dc.gov, or as I mentioned earlier, call 202-727-8000. You can also follow Disby on social media. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn as well. Thanks for joining us. Take care, everyone.